here. All right, so this evening in the outline uh, should, if you didn't get one, they were out on the podium, and I think Justin uh, just brought them around. So I'm going to do about a two-minute review of what we did last week instead of 45 minutes like I did last week, and uh, we'll talk about the passage. So if you've got Romans chapter 6, let's look at verse 1. We're going to read it, pray, and then uh, we'll see how far we get tonight. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? All right, so we talked about that a bit last week. The obvious answer to that is, uh, the end, and we talked a bit about the antinomianism, which existed during the first century, which was what? It basically said this, yeah, uh, I can prove how much God's grace is by how much I sin. So they actually had a group that said, listen, sin as much as you want. Do the worst things you can possibly think of to prove how gracious God is. Now, does that sound like good, strong biblical doctrine? Ah, it's, that's one of those, uh, what we like to call a heresy. It's an untruth, uh, totally opposite of what God says. So God, uh, the Apostle Paul, of course, who was writing during that time, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, shall we continue in sin uh, just basically to show how gracious God is? And, of course, the answer is certainly not. It's the strongest imperative you can possibly use, strongest command language in the Greek language. Absolutely not. Certainly not. This is not something you are to do. How shall we who died to sin, and we'll talk a bit about dying to sin tonight, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know, basically speaking to Christians now, not basically, but 100% to Christians, uh, or do you not know, Christian, that as many of us were baptized, meaning to be placed into Christ Jesus, were placed into or baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And here's what we'll pick up in a moment. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, pay attention to the word likeness here. Did you die with Jesus? No, not, not literally. Uh, did your sin nature, when you got saved, did your sin nature become eradicated? It doesn't exist anymore. No, you still have the ability, and we all take advantage of that ability at times, to sin, to do wrong. So he's talking about an likeness. It's, it, it, it is figurative, if you will, and we'll expand on that as we go through it. So I, I, at times this passage gets a little confusing. It's like, wait a minute, how did I die to sin and yet I still sin? All right, so it, it, it's important that we get that. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. By the way, if you look at your Bibles right now, take a look at that word likeness the second time. How is, what type of type print is the word likeness in? It's italicized. That means it's not there. That means some individual decided to add that word there. Now, we're not going to be in the, uh, uh, basically, I think putting the word likeness there is taking away from the true meaning of the text. You see, when we're resurrected, well, we have a glorified body. I mean, it's, it's absolute. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I think putting that word in there is a little bit of a stretch, and quite frankly, I think it probably should be left out. All right, so we'll be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man, old man speaking of what, folks? It's in nature. Knowing that our old man was what? Crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed 
from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, Christian, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Father, I pray as we look at this wonderful passage, this wonderful book of Romans, the doctrinal uh, truths that are in it, the massive amount of important information that you provided us in this, even in this little teeny passage we're looking at tonight. I pray that you'd move in our hearts. Lord, we're, as we uh, pull this apart, as we dissect it, uh, Lord, you know where uh, I intend to go. If it's your will, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we look at this and as we challenge one another to look at what have we become dead to? What should we be alive to? So, Father, I pray that maybe you'll send a little bit of a revival through us this evening. And, uh, Lord, as we look at these very important passages, move us to do what we should do, uh, not only tonight, but through the rest of this week and, of course, through the rest of our lives. So we commit all this to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. So just a very, very quick review. So we're looking at, again, from last week, legalism versus holiness, and continues into the passage, law versus grace. And uh, actually, on, if you looked on the Internet, and uh, we do send out weekly emails with the titles and so forth. If you're not getting them, please fill out the communication card, and we'll make sure we get the right email and get you on there so uh, you get our twice-a-week emails. Uh, but we also call it bondage to freedom, bondage. Uh, so we'll be looking at that tonight. Well, a couple of questions that uh, actually I'm going to switch off of those and give you some new ones tonight. Have you ever been caught in the trap of sinful bondage? Have you ever been caught in the trap of sinful bondage? I want to give you a little illustration to get us started this evening. I want to take you back many, many years ago when Valerie and I were in college. Well, not that many. Uh, but yeah, many, many years ago. And uh, we had a good friend named Randy, and that's as far as I'll go with the name. Randy was a great guy. Randy was on fire for the Lord, at least it seemed so. He was a great preacher. Had a lot, a lot of energy. And uh, I, I just like the guy. I like folks with a lot of energy and a lot of passion. And Randy was one of those guys. I mean, he he just get fired up and go to town uh, serving the Lord. So we went to the same college, and uh, he got married to a, a beautiful young lady. And just, uh, I mean, you, you look at him, it's like, boy, this is the quintessential uh, uh, cover on Glamour or something. These two were just, I mean, they had that look. They were just special folks, and but they loved the Lord. I mean, they, they absolutely uh, loved God. We're serving him, at least that's what I thought. Well, Randy had this absolutely kind of over-the-top energy. And I think some of you know where I'm going right now. It's like, man, that guy, he just, I mean, he's just like always lit up, always fired. I mean, when uh, we preach on the buses, when we go down to Chicago and pick kids up and whatever, and uh, this guy, I mean, he was just lit up all the time, fired up. And uh, I'm like, you know, and Valerie and I were talking about one day, it's like, I'm just kind of wondering if Randy doesn't have a little help with that energy. 
All of a sudden, uh, unfortunately, our suspicions came true. And Randy wasn't just quote-unquote filled with the Holy Spirit, but he was filled with cocaine. Here's a guy that had all the talent in the world, was a great preacher. I mean, he was. He's just an absolute wonderful preacher. But it was all under the control of a foreign substance known as an, an illegal foreign substance, nonetheless, a cocaine. Well, you can only pull that game so long until you get found out. Randy had to leave college. Him and his wife, they ended up going back to their hometown down in the Florida area. Before that happened, Valerie and I kind of tried to take him under our wing. Of course, we were about the same age back then, a whole lot younger than we are right now, and we were contemporaries. So we tried to help a little bit. I tried to help Randy. Valerie tried to help his wife. And they were, it's horrible. He couldn't beat the drugs. Ended up down in Florida. And what happens when you get stuck on substance abuse? Well... If you don't get cleaned up, if you don't get help, and especially, and I believe he was saved. I, I really do. I mean, he was messed up. He was doing wrong. I honestly believe he was a saved guy, but man, he was just, his life was a wreck. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh, certainly not. And uh, Randy eventually ended up, she, she had enough of Randy and said, listen, buddy, you either get yourself straightened up or I can't take this anymore. He refused to straighten up. She walked. You say, well, wait a minute. Uh, why did she walk? Uh, why wouldn't she stay committed to her husband? You know, if you ever get somebody that's jacked up on cocaine, you would question the relationship too, right or wrong. She walked. And you can make your own decision on that. Randy, I don't know whatever happened to him, fell off the radar, don't know if he died of an overdose, don't know what he's doing, don't know if he got right with God, don't know. Have you ever been caught in the trap of sinful bondage? And this couple of verses that we'll look at tonight go right to that issue. Are you currently missing out on the abundant life? Randy missed out on the abundant life. He had things going for him. He had the talent. He had the skill. He had what it would take to be, if you will, in our vernacular, successful. But based on him getting caught up in the sinful lifestyle, he basically wasted what God had given to him. What are you going to do with Jesus today? So tonight what we're going to do is examine four convicting biblical truths regarding God's glorious grace. Almost seems like an oxymoron or an antithesis. It's like, wow, we're going to look at four convicting. When you look at the word convicting, what do you think? Get my steel-toed shoes on because here it comes. But then we're going to compare it to God's glorious grace. You see, Randy... Just like anyone else that's here watching on the internet tonight, you might be strung out on drugs. Nobody may know about it. You might be caught up in uh, alcohol. Nobody knows about it. You may be caught up on prescription drugs, and nobody knows about it. Uh, and you're like, well, I've been getting away from it, but I know deep down in my heart 
that it's wrong and I'm trying to get the victory, but I'm caught in the bondage of this sin and I can't break loose. And God says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You see, there's only one way to get delivered from these things. We're going to be starting, and I just kind of jumped into this one part of the message, but I'm going to go here. We're going to be starting a Simple Steps ministry here, either towards the end of this year or the beginning of next. Make sure every, all of our ducks are in order, if you will. We're going to be bringing folks in here on Friday night that have addiction issues. And we're going to show them how to get out of the addiction. You say, well, that's going to take a lot of medical work and a lot of psychological work. No, it's going to take Jesus. You see, because all the medical work in the world, all the psychologists in the world can't change someone's heart unless they give out the gospel. So that's what will be taking place here. And uh, folks, boy, if we took a survey and we got honest results back about the number of folks in our community that are strung out on drugs and alcohol and other things, it's massive. And you say, well, you're going to become, are you going to go through a 12-step program on, on how to overcome uh, uh, alcohol and drugs and other addictions uh, like the world does? No, we're going to have a 12-step program that has 12 different principles to the gospel and how to overcome it. And it works. Uh, this is great stuff, great material that we're bringing in. Uh, we've got a couple of folks that are ready to roll on this that are excited about it. And I'm as excited about it too. All right, uh, let's move on. So this is what we went through last week, and I'm not going to go through it again. Shall we continue in sin, if you will, that grace may abound? God's answer is, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Again, if you go on the Internet, if you didn't hear those messages, they are available uh, through myugbc.com, Sermon Audio, and a bunch of others. All right, and uh, last week we finished with this. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus? Now, if you weren't here last week, and I know some of you weren't, I want to make it very clear here, because this is one of the, and we spent a great deal of time on this because of the confusion that exists in Christendom today. There are many people that teach, many denominations that teach, many pastors, priests, and otherwise that teach you must be baptized to go to heaven. First of all, this is not talking about water baptism. This is the word baptizo from the Greek talking about what? Being immersed, being placed into Now, we practice baptism by immersion here because that's what the word means. It means to be immersed. This particular passage, Romans 6, is talking about being placed into basically spiritual baptism, not water baptism, as uh, defined in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. When you trusted Christ, you are all placed into Christ, baptized, if you will, into him. Verse 4, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? Newness of life. All right, here's where uh, we pick up now uh, with verse 5 and part 2 of the message. Verse 5, uh, uh, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, we shall what? If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Take your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 5 for a moment. And we're going to expand on this a little bit. I'm going to have you uh, go to a couple of passages tonight as time permits. Uh, And we want to understand this. 
So when we started out, we talked about the likeness, the likeness of his death. In other words, you did not die with Christ. Your, your death did not accomplish things like Christ's death did. But God says, listen, when you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, when you place your faith and trust in him, something marvelous happens. And that's what we're talking about, this being placed into Christ. When you get placed into Christ, who dwells within you? Who dwells within you? Holy Spirit. Again, those verses are 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Know you not, Christian, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. All right, so, uh, uh, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I've given this little illustration a couple of times. It's like, you know, uh, when you walk outside or you're at home and it's like, "Ah, man, I need to talk to God tonight. I need to talk to him right now. What do you usually do? Where do you look if you're by yourself? Uh, Justin just did it. Watch his head. You look up. And that's true because, well, God the Father, God the Son, where's Jesus sitting at the right hand of, of the Father? But you know who's living right inside of you? So, and I mean, we pray to Christ. Most of us do. And, uh, uh, but it's like, goodness me, the Holy Spirit's right here. It's, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? It's like, how, how, does, how does God actually live within each of us? But he does. It's what the Holy Spirit does. And, uh, and by the way, every time you do something wrong, what happens? <laughs> He's in there. Uh, uh, knocking on uh, our heart's door, uh, trying to get us to do the right thing. And that's what Ephesians 5, basically, and most of you are familiar with this little verse, little passage. Uh, Ephesians 5, let's start at verse 15. See then, Christian, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. In other words, you have a sober mind towards these things. We're not talking about alcohol right now. We're talking about are you, are, are you straight and... How many of you... I know not a whole bunch here, but how many of you were in the military? All right, several, all right? Folks that were in the military, if you ask them about boot camp, it's just kind of a free-for-all, right? You can do whatever you want. Right, guys, gals? Free-for-all. No, I mean, if if you've watched anything, even if, uh, boy, here, I shouldn't go here, uh, but just came to my mind, uh, most of you probably, especially if you've been around a few years, you watch Gomer Pyle and... That's not quite how it went, right? And, uh, but you look at some of the, uh, uh, the military movies where there's it's no joke and they're doing them really like the uh, things exist in the military. And it's uh, you walk sober-minded. Soldier, you know, you do exactly what you say. Sir, yes, sir. Everything is boom, boom, boom. And that's basically what God's saying. When you're walking circumspectly, it's not like Gomer Pyle. It's like... Uh, uh, I mean, serious stuff. It's more like General Patton kind of thing. Uh, you get in line. You do the right thing. You do what you're told. By the way, why does all that discipline exist in military? Why do you think it exists? Keep you alive. Exactly. You see, when those young men, young ladies go out there on the battlefield, if you're not doing exactly what you should be doing and you decide to go willy-nilly on your own, what is the propensity to happen? Death. So they train you. It's like you've got to be disciplined, eat right, exercise right, listen to and obey orders, do the right thing. And, and to a certain degree, that's what God is saying here. Walk circumspectly. Don't take this book uh, half-heartedly, not half in, half out, half on, half off, but 100% committed. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. Now, what's a fool? person who denies what they should be doing. It's a person who knows better and refuses to do it. 
Don't act like a fool, but as a wise person, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Anybody want to challenge that statement? Redeem the time. The days are evil. Folks, we live in perilous times. 2 Timothy 3.1. Perilous, dangerous times. Perilous seasons. They're upon us. And when did it say those perilous, dangerous times would come in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1? In the what days? The last days. And folks, it's, uh, you know, every single generation, every generation, we'll just stick with America right now, every generation looks at their, what's taking place and says, man, it's never been this bad. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And they probably were right. And now it's 2022, and we look at each other, and it's like, man, it's never been like this before. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Are you shocked by that? Shouldn't be, uh, because God said, in the last days, perilous, horrible, dangerous times will come. Now, folks, I know just like you, I'm, uh, I'm looking for the blessed assurance of Jesus Christ coming in the air, the blessed hope, if you will. Because if it keeps going in the direction it is, barring a major change that takes place, it's, it's tough, and it's going to get tougher. Uh, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, Christian, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Soldier, I want you to uh, get, get your group together. I want you to go out. Uh, you see that foxhole up there. I want you to go into that foxhole, uh, uh, foxhole, and I want you to protect it. I want you to keep your rifles pointed down uh, towards where the enemy is. Keep your uh, 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 eyes open. Keep your helmets on. Be ready for when the attack starts. And, and it says, listen, uh, uh, don't be unwise. Understand what God's will is. Here's the battle plan. This is what God says for you, soldier. Do not be drunk or controlled, which is really the concept he's given here. Don't be controlled. Don't be drunk with wine. Why again? And we've gone through this passage numerous times. Don't be controlled with foreign substances. That's not what a Christian's life is about. But here's what God is doing. He's comparing it. Actually, the concept of, of, of drunk or drugs or anything else. Why is God using this? Because who could relate to it? Well, the people could. You know exactly what God's talking about when he says this, right? I mean, there's no mystery here. He's saying, listen, you, and, and we've gone through this. If you see a drunk on the street, how do you know it's a drunk? Right? They're controlled by the alcohol. They're out of control. How do you know when somebody's driving drunk on the freeway or in your home? or home area, hopefully not in your home. How do you know it? You know, they look like they're doing a ski slope and they should be going straight. Not too hard to pick them out, by the way, at 2 in the morning. Don't be drunk. Don't be controlled with wine, in which is, I don't know why they use this word, because nobody knows what it means, dissipation. The word actually is debauchery in normal English language. Don't be filled with anything. Don't be controlled with anything except what? The Holy Spirit. Whew. God's saying, listen, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. 
What is he saying here? Listen, uh, uh, we should have died with Christ. That old sin nature, no, it wasn't eradicated, but he's saying just in the likeness of how Christ died, when he gave up his life, when he gave his everything to pay for our sins, in that same likeness, would you kill your old nature? That's what he's saying. You say, I want to kill it, but I can't. Ooh. Soldier, get on that front line. Keep that gun pointed downhill, and you fight. You fight hard. You want to go home and see your wife? You want to go home and see your children? Then you better fight. You better stay disciplined. Don't move. Don't deviate. Do what you're told. Stay in that foxhole. Fight, fight, and shoot, shoot. Do whatever it takes to preserve life. What happens if the shoulder says, listen, man, uh, all right, I'll go in that foxhole. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the battle starts, and here comes the enemy charging down, and the guy says, hold it, guys. I'm, <laughs> I want none of this. And he stands up, and he says, I, I can't take it, guys. I, I'm scared to death. I'm running from here. And he stands up, and what happens? Say bye. Lost his discipline. Lost his focus. The next thing you know, a soldier's taken home in a body bag. God said, listen, Christian, I need you to stay focused. I, I need you to stay on target. I need you not to do something that's going to uh, cause harm, uh, if you will, to the cause, cause harm to the mission. I need you to stay focused on the battle, if you will. Let's go to verse 7. For he who has died has been what? Freed from sin. Now, you say, well, wait a second. This just is very confusing. And, it, and I mean, on its surface, it is confusing. It's like I, I trusted Christ. Yeah, I got that part. I, I'm trying to walk with God. And, and, and I'm trying to do the right thing. How is it that I'm free from sin if I still got the free, if I still have the sin nature? How does all that balance out? And God basically says this. Let's go to this verse. There is no temptation but such as is common to man and women. But God is what? God's faithful. He'll, he'll provide a way to get, get around it. Now, are you going to be perfect in this lifetime? No, you're just not. I mean, the struggle is there. It's every single minute, every single day, you're fighting the old sin nature. But you died to sin. What is he saying? Just in the likeness as Christ died, your sin nature, you have the ability, if you will, to get it under control. The tough part is getting it under 100% control this side of heaven is a little bit difficult. But listen, let me ask you a question. Let's go to the nth degree for a moment. Now, some of you might have done this. I hope not, but if you did... Just just play along with me for a moment. I'm going to ask a rhetorical question, meaning do not answer. <laughs> How many of you have been tempted since you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior to do something immoral? Tempted. Okay. Well, Pastor, I'm glad you made that a rhetorical question because that's one I don't want to raise my hand to. I don't want you to raise your hand. How many have been tempted to do wrong? What kept you from doing wrong? 
Now again, if you if you stepped over the line, we'll skip this part for you. If you haven't stepped over the line and you're one of those that has been tempted to do wrong, why didn't you go? Why didn't you, why didn't you do it? Why would you get mad at your spouse and you're hot as a hornet? And this goes both directions. And it's like, I, I'm sick of him. I'm not going to live with that guy any longer. And, and the, uh, the wife says, I'm sick of him. I'm not going to live with him any longer. Uh, why, 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 didn't, why didn't you get a divorce? And again, some have and skipped this part. But for others, why, why didn't you do it? You were a Christian. And you're like, listen, I, I think we can. Oh, man, I'm mad. I, 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 I'm sick of this. I'm tired of it. I'm not going to do it. And you stick with it and you fight through it. Now, again, in our culture, many, many people have not been able to go there. So it's like, well, what happens if we do mess up? Well, isn't it good that God still loves people even if they're sinners? Hey, you mess up, what does God say? Listen, you messed up, but come on home. Let's fix it. Let's get it right. Let's repair the damage and let's move forward. You see, there's no sin that God can't forgive. Would you agree on that? Listen, uh, uh, um, and, I, and I'm going to go here for just a second. I, I throw out a name like Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson. Now, did Charles Manson ever make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ? Not to my knowledge. He died, as to my understanding, and listening to some of his... Uh, and isn't it amazing, a guy who's a dirty dirtbag like that, kill, 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 horrible guy, he gets a lot of media attention, still does. He had something on the media the other day, and he's dead. Jeffrey Dahmer, on the other hand, we know him because his crimes took place right a couple miles north of us in the Milwaukee land area. He's a horrible guy. He ate people. I mean, I mean, seriously, he was a cannibal. Killed and ate people. You say, that's, that's unforgivable. Is it? What sin is there that God says is unforgivable? Yeah, denying Christ. That's it. If you refuse to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, refer, you refuse to accept the free gift of eternal life, yeah, that, unfortunately, if you die, that is unforgivable. You will pay for your sins for eternity. But Jeffrey Dahmer, as sick as he was, as a biggest sinner if he was, in jail, and I know the individual that talked with him, whether it's, I mean, only God knows the heart. But Jeffrey Dahmer made a profession of faith to a pastor that came to see him. Shortly thereafter, he was murdered. Did Jeffrey go to heaven? I don't know. The only thing I know is if Jeffrey Dahmer trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior before he was murdered, yeah. You say, that's crazy. Why would God bring him into heaven? Because, you see, every time we do something wrong, whether we lie, cheat, steal, are unkind to somebody, commit adultery, even murder, pretty good God, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever... I guess that means whosoever, doesn't it? See, it's not fair. Well, if God was fair, none of us would get to heaven. All right, verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. 
Death no longer has dominion over him. What's he saying here in this passage? He's basically bringing out the fact that any single person that chooses to walk with the Lord can overcome that sinful nature. Now again, I am not talking perfection. So don't say Pastor Rich was preaching a sinless perfection. I'm not. You're not going to be sinlessly perfect on this earth, but you can certainly control a great deal of it that the unsaved people can't. Here's, a, here's, here's just a little common mistake that many people make when they're trying to witness to somebody. Somebody that's in deep sin, somebody that's really messed up, or even if they're not horrible, if you will, in the depths of sin, and sometimes we make the mistake of saying, okay, you know, you're an alcoholic, buddy. You're, you're strung out on drugs. You're an immoral person. You're, mm, and you call, and it's like, you know, you need to clean your life up. You need, get, you need to get right with God. And you need to change the way you, you do your business. Now, folks, if, if you're talking to an unsaved person, what's the possibility of that happening? If it's, yeah, zero to, zero to, mm, Maybe. Do you understand that the carnal mind can't receive the things of the Spirit of God? In other words, if somebody's living in sin and they're messed up and they're not a Christian, you say, Pastor, when you you talk to somebody like that, how do you get them to do right so they can trust Christ? Eh, Wrong question. It's not about doing right to trust Christ. It's about realizing you've done wrong so you trust Him. You see, sin's a, sin's a motivator. Paul said, listen, I wouldn't have known sin if it wasn't for the what? The law. The law points out that we messed up. You see, people that think that they're perfect, why should they trust Christ? I'm perfect. Now, by the way, nobody's perfect. See, I'm going to see this someday on a clip. Pastor Rich said he's, you know, mm-hmm. no, he didn't. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Take your Bibles, let's go to Colossians 3. We went there this morning, but I'm going to take you to some different verses in that same passage. Colossians chapter 3. This morning, I wanted to be nice. It's the morning crowd wanted to be nice to him. Tonight, oh, I'm going to be mean. No, not really. Colossians chapter 3, though, talks about this very issue that Paul talks about in the book of Romans. Colossians 3. Christian, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are what? Above. We talked about the new Jerusalem. Folks, man, I can't wait. Right? I mean, I'm looking forward to a permanent vacation up in heaven. And you say vacation? Well, I don't know if that's the right word because we're going to rule and reign with Christ, so we're going to be working, but... uh, uh, I think it's going to be very enjoyable because God isn't going to give us anything to do, I think, in heaven that we're not going to enjoy. The new Jerusalem. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind. All right, so wait a minute. Here's the tough piece that, uh, again, we struggle with as Christian. If everything was so easy, if, if God made you do everything one way or the other, why is God constantly saying, do this, don't do that? What do you still have as a Christian, or what? Sin and you got a sin nature, and what else do you have? Free will. Free will. You, got the, you got the ability to pick. What am I going to do? 
Do, okay, uh, if you then were raised with Christ, what? Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. All right, now that's a discipline. It is a discipline. God is saying, listen, if you want to do right, you better set your mind on the right things or you are going to mess up. In common vernacular, don't set your things on things of the earth. Listen, if you get tied up with the things of the earth, you get tied up with the social uh, uh, socialism that's going on, if you get tied up with uh, 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 the secularism that's going on and all the other different things, boy, your mind is going to get taken off of where it's supposed to be focused, which is there, and you get stuck over here, and God says, yeah, pull yourself back. For you died in your life for sin with Christ and God. All right, now we get to the punchline, verse 5. Christian, again, and with all due respect to those, and I, and I know uh, I don't know of anyone here that quote-unquote holds to this, but when we get to the concept that has been a massive debate among Christians in this generation about lordship salvation, if you got saved and immediately followed God and made him your Lord, why in the world would God put this stuff over and over and over and over and over again in the scriptures? See, when, when somebody trusts Christ, again, we've talked about maturity levels. It takes time to mature as a Christian. Now, some men, I mean, they just got super-duper fast Christians or a uh, maturity. There's certain young people, and uh, mom and dad will come, and, and it's like, how, how old's your, how old's your uh, youngin here? Well, she's uh, eight years old going on 25, right? And, and that may be good or bad, but it's like the maturity level. Some children mature very quickly. Some Christians mature very quickly, and some it takes time. So God here is talking to the Christians at Colossae, and what does he say? Listen, Christian, put to death. Kill it. Wipe it out of your life. Put to death your, or therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Well, what are those members? We're talking to Christians here, folks. This isn't unsaved. He says, put to death fornication. That's every possible immoral act you can commit. You say, well, what do you mean? Intimacy. Can I say the word? Now, we've got children here. Do I need to say it? Adults? I don't think so. Fornication. In other words, keep your clothes on, keep your hands to yourself. By the way, you get rid of monkeypox. Say, Brother Rich, are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. I was absolutely disgusted, and one of the one of the mainline news stations brought this out. Talk about how degenerate our public has become, our secular world has become. And again, I'll be very delicate in how I state this. They brought out the fact from the Center for Disease Control about children getting monkeypox. This, and I'm, I'm shocked because this was mainline media. This was not a Christian or, uh, you know, <laughs> somebody like us talking. And the guy said this, and I won't say who it is or where I heard it. Some of you probably did because it's something a lot of us would watch. He made this statement. How did children get this disease when it's only transmitted, as far as we know, one way? Well, all of a sudden the CDC, and I've read their literature, and I follow this stuff very closely because I'm on the radio and TV all the time watching it. So I need to be up to speed on this stuff. 
The CDC, when this came out months ago, made it very clear that this was only transmitted through a perfect, or through a particular, not a perfect, a particular community. Men with men, period. You know where I'm going. How did children all of a sudden get this particular transmission to them? Well, the CDC all of a sudden decides, well, ooh boy, we're in big trouble here because you know exactly what it means. I can say this word, your children won't know it, incest. That's how it happens. Pedophiles, that's how it happens. You say, are you kidding me? Oh, the CDC made it very clear that's how it was happening, so we have to change the literature now because we can't uh, 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 be dismissive of that community so we've got to, not me, but they've got to protect them. So what do we do? Well, you know, maybe it's a blanket or maybe it's a cup. Uh, it's the same way that te teenagers think they get pregnant. Got pretty quiet, didn't it? You say, man, you're touching on some heavy-duty stuff here. Yeah, I am. And folks, you know who's the only ones that are going to tell the truth about this stuff? Look in the mirror. It's us. We don't mess around with uh, false things. We talked about that this morning. It's disgusting. It's horrible. But folks, that's what's going on in the world today. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. What do you say? Put these things off, Christian. Don't you fall into that trap. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Hmm. Verse 7, in which you yourselves, what's the next two words? Once walked. Wait a minute. Why is he telling the Christians, don't do this if you once walked in them? Well, we could go to, we're not going to tonight, but we could go to the book of Corinthians and find out how corrupt that church was. Talk about the immorality that was going on. You say, Pastor, you know, we're all good folks here. Well, I hope so. But you know what? There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. You're going to get tempted the same as a guy down the street's going to get tempted. And God said, listen, Christian, I gave you the edge. I put somebody inside of you to give you the edge. Who is that, by the way? It's the Holy Spirit. That's why, yeah, do some people mess up and fall into sin, so to speak? Usually, by the way, you usually don't fall into sin. How do you go into sin? Like little robots, we walk down the road, we see it, we see it. It's like instead of doing this, Colin, I can't think of his, it doesn't matter what his last name is, good guy. Uh, when I went to Moody Bible Institute years and years ago, back in the 70s, and we would go down to uh, the inner part of Chicago get a bunch of tracks and go into the red light district, go down to where they're selling drugs. And, uh, I mean, our, we just go down there, share the gospel, hand out tracks, talk to people, saw folks come to Christ. My buddy Colin, we're in the car together. I, I think I was driving. I'm pretty sure I was driving, and we're, we're driving down the road, and I see him doing this. And I'm... I'm like, are you okay, man? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, you're not going to throw up in my car, are you? <laughs> you know, it's like, what are you doing? He says, uh, I don't want to look on anything that's evil. 
And I'm like, Colin, you understand that we're going into the red light district to show to, to, to give the gospel to folks. Yeah, I know, I know. And that's okay. And I, and, and, but I don't want to see it. You know, good for him. Good for him. If he knew that he was going to struggle with something that he saw as we're driving into that neighborhood, and he hit his eyes, he said, listen, I'm, man, I'm, I'm, I don't want to see that because it's going to bother me. I'm going to do I'm gonna think things I don't want to think. Good for him. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them, but now, but now, but now, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. Here's the next set. Gets a little bit closer to home. Anger. Oof. You ever get angry? God says it's uh, you should have done that before he got saved, not after. They shall know us by our thank you. Let's try that again. They shall know us by our Thank you. But uh, let's see. Put off these. Get rid of them. Put them to death. Anger. Wrath. Malice. Blasphemy. Filthy language. Out of your mouth. We've talked about this so many times I don't want to go there again. It's self-explanatory. Can Christians keep their mouth pure? Can they? Do Christians have to tell dirty jokes just because everybody in your cubicle or your uh, workplace is telling dirty jokes? Do you have to listen to them and laugh at them? Of course not. You walk away <laughs> to a column. I don't have nothing to do with this. Verse 9, Colossians 3, Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. You say, well, I'm trying to put it off, but I'm, man, this, this, uh, this suit is really tight. I'm having a problem getting the buttons off. God says, rip it off. Take a knife, cut it off, get rid of it, do what it takes. Verse 10, you put on the what? The new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And God said, listen, here's the good news. It's not just for uh, the Greek or the Jew or the circumcised or the uncircumcised. It's for everybody, the Jew, the Greek, the circumcised. In other words, the Gentile, the, uncir- or the uh, circumcised, the Jew, the uncircumcised, uh, the Gentile, the barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. Christ is all and in all. And all God's people said? Amen. All right, so we're going to quit. I guess I got through about a quarter of what I was going to do. But here's the good news, Christian. You say, wow, this is, this is some heavy-duty stuff tonight. You know, back when Valerie and I were in college, here's kind of how it went. Sunday mornings, and then we're in a huge church. I mean, huge church. Sunday mornings, uh, the pastor was usually kind and loving, a lot of gospel because there are always, literally in this particular church, hundreds of folks that didn't know Christ. Every single week, folks were coming, hundreds of visitors. So it was a different flavor. On Sunday night, and I liked Sunday nights, on Sunday nights, pastor knew it was tune-up time for God's people. I like tune-up time. It was seatbelt time. It's like, it's, it, he's going he's gonna to bring it. 
And you say, uh, 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 and again, I'm not talking about second-degree fundamentalism and beating people up and all that kind of thing. I'm talking about, listen, folks, every now and then, you need that drill sergeant to come up and say, listen, soldier, would you get yourself in line? And uh, the soldiers are saying, man, I don't like that. I wish he'd stop groveling at us and grabbing at us and banging on us and making us do things we don't want to do. And then all of a sudden you're in the battle. Boy, I'm so thankful for that drill sergeant. <laughs> I'm so thankful he, he drilled it into us day in and day out and suffering and no sleep and pushing ourselves and, and, and just all the torture that we thought we were going through and what a waste of time. I can't believe I signed up for this. And all of a sudden you're in the midst of the battle at work. Your loved one's got cancer. Horrible, tragic accident takes place and you just lost somebody you deeply care about. All of a sudden you show up in your cubicle and, or at the place you work and some temptress or whatever you call a guy who tempts ladies, I'm not sure what, that story, what word that is, they show up and start hitting on you. You say, Pastor, that's a little frank. It is. And uh, young people at school and somebody gets a little handsy with you and it's like, do I want to do this or don't I? And you got a decision to make. Somebody has a bottle of whiskey in their car, young people or even adults, and it's like, hey, what do you think? Let's go out and tie one on. And, and we could go on and on and on and on to the things that would potentially tempt you. And all of a sudden, it's like, uh, uh, I remember tune up Sunday. <laughs> and uh, I remember what the Word of God says to, to put this stuff to death, to fight it with everything we got. And all of a sudden, you do one of these. I got to go. And you pull a column and you walk away. You know how many people's lives have been wrecked and ruined and had to be rebuilt? Many of them that never come back once they fall into deep sin. And their lives have been turned upside down and now they deal with this day and night, night and day. The guilt that they face, the struggles that they face, and it doesn't go away until the Lord gets a hold of them and they suffer with this day and night, night and day, and the recurring movie plays in their mind, and it's over and over and over and over again, and they come to see me, and it's like, Pastor, I, I can't stop. I it's just there, and it's there, and I can't get it out of my head, and, and I don't know what to do. I'm like, all right. Do you want to go through that? I hope not. Now, some of you are there, and we're here to help. If you've fallen into sin, you've done something you wish you wouldn't have done, life is not over. It just is going to be redirected, and we're here to help. Folks, that's why we always say, when we close the message, what will you do with Jesus today? Father, thank you for your love for us. These are tough things. These are hard things. Father, boy, it's over and over and over again. You've warned us about these because there is no temptation but such as is common to man or woman. We're all tempted. We're constantly tempted in this old dirty society. 
So, Father, I pray that uh, if someone's here right now, someone may be watching on the Internet, maybe somebody sitting within our midst tonight, and you're struggling with sin, maybe you've uh, uh, even crossed over. You've gone to places you wish you wouldn't have done. You've gone, you do things that you wish you wouldn't be doing, and you're fighting, and you're guilty, and it's like, Lord, I need help. I've got to overcome this. Well, right there where you are, why don't you just fall on your face, so to speak? Don't have to do that literally, but why don't you fall on your face before the Lord right now and say, Oh, God, would you help me to overcome these things? Oh, God, I've been struggling with them. I've been fighting them. Nobody else knows about it, but I know about it, and it's wrong, and I don't want to do it. Listen, uh, uh, God said (laughs) right in those passages, listen, would you turn your life over to him? Just give your life back to the Lord. If you're saved, you've trusted Christ, it's time to get right with God. Just give your life to him. Ask him for help. And by the way, you say, well, Pastor, if I come to you, you're going, I'm going to be so embarrassed. I, I, I don't want to do that. And, and, but I know I need help. Listen, get over your embarrassment and come see me. It's between me and you, and we'll help you get through it if that's what it's going to take. But if not, right there, just give it to the Lord right now. If it's something in, in your home, throw it away. If it's on your phone, turn it off. If it's on your TV, get rid of it. If it's something at work, figure out how to avoid it. If it's at school, discipline yourself. Discipline yourself. Listen, the Lord will give you the help. Put off all these. Finally, if you're here, you say, Brother Rich, listen, I'm, <laughs> I don't even know if I die to go to heaven. I don't really care about sin and all that stuff you talked about. I know I'm a sinner, but how do I, how do I even start this? Well, here it is, folks, very quickly. Number one, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's nobody perfect, so don't feel bad, if you will. You're up, we're all sinners. And the second thing, unfortunately, which we need to worry about is God said because we've sinned, if we got what we deserved, every single one of us will go to an awful place called hell, the lake of fire, Revelation 21.8. But Jesus Christ, God's Son, said, listen, I love you so much, I'm going to come down from heaven. I'm going to die on a cross for your sins. I'm dying on the cross for your sins. I'm going to pay the complete price. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to rise again the third day in order to pay for all the sins that you have done or will do. And you say, well, okay, so what do I need to do? Here's what you need to do. Are you ready? One thing you must do to go to heaven That's to receive the free gift of eternal life by placing your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you. It's not not a simple little, okay, I believe that. No, we're not talking about a little head knowledge. We're talking about, yeah, I truly believe that Jesus Christ, God's Son, died on the cross for me, was buried and rose again to save me from my sins. And God God says in uh, verses we always uh, use here, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace, God's free unmerited gift are you saved, saved from sin, saved from the penalty of sin. For by grace are you saved through faith, through faith alone. And it's not of yourselves, it is the free gift of God, not of works. Listen, any man should boast. Listen, why don't you start your walk with God right now? You'll never get rid of sin until you first come to Jesus and accept that free gift of eternal life, and the Holy Spirit can then come and live within you. It's a wonderful thing. Right there we are. Would you give your life uh, uh, to the Lord by, by faith? But simply accept that free gift. Accept that free gift of uh, what Jesus did for you. Have you done it? Have you done that? Have you received that free gift? 
You say, it's that simple. It's just by faith. It's just that simple. If that's you this evening, whether you're here or in the watching somewhere else, let's say a prayer of thanksgiving for what just happened when you, by faith, received Christ. Let's, pray, let's just uh, thank him for that. Would you do that with me silently? Oh, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. No doubt about that. I know that I've sinned, and I really, I, I absolutely understand. I don't deserve to go to heaven, but I actually do an awful place called hell. But I'm so thankful that your son Jesus came into this world, died on the cross for my sins, was buried, and three days later rose again. And I just understand that by faith. I couldn't earn it. I couldn't get it on my own. I couldn't work my way to heaven, but that Jesus paid it all. And I'm receiving that free gift this very moment. Thank you so much for saving me. Christian, what do you need to do with Jesus tonight? What do you need to do with him? What do you need to do with Jesus tonight? Would you put it on the altar tonight? You say, what do you mean put it on the altar? I'm not talking about walking down an aisle and falling on your face on the altar. I'm just saying right there where you are, would you make that seat in front of you, if you will, the altar of your heart? And if you're doing something that you know that God doesn't want you to do, right there where you are, just cry out to God, if you will, silently, and ask God to help you. And get your heart right with the Lord tonight. And let's move forward for Jesus. Father, there's some serious business, I believe, that's taking place right now. We may never know who it is. And we don't need to know. But Father, I believe right now as some folks are saying, I'm, I've messed up and I want to do right now. And I'm, I'm committing my life back to you. I'm going to stop doing what I was doing. I'm going to get my heart right. Father, thank you for that. Thank you that only the Holy Spirit can do the work that none of us here can do. <clears throat> thank you for what you've done tonight, Lord. We'll give you the praise, the honor.